Letter 109 of the Selected Letters of St. Jane Francis de Chantal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ken Hellenius, blog.hellenius.org. Selected Letters of St. Jane Francis de Chantal by St. Jane Francis de Chantal. Letter 109. To the Sister Louise Angelique de Lafayette at the First Monastery of Paris. A footnote. Marie-Louise Motier de Lafayette became maid of honor to Anne of Austria at the age of fourteen. Her beauty and the promise of great ability for which she was afterwards so remarkable attracted the king, Louis XIII. His devotion to her, which lasted all his life, was that of a brother to a most dear sister. He turned to her in his troubles and relied and acted on her advice. When, at the age of nineteen, she decided to retire into the monastery of the Visitation, for which she had not ceased to long during her short life at court, the king opposed her vocation, but seeing that her happiness was bound up with it, he at last gave his consent. Yet he never ceased to visit this devoted friend who continued to exercise over him a wise and salutary influence. Richelieu, jealous of her power with the king, was sensibly relieved by her entrance into religion. However, hearing one day that Louis had spent three hours at the Rue Saint-Antoine with this young religious, he was thoroughly frightened, and sending for Père Cazin, the king's confessor, he said, quote, I am greatly astonished that the king has made such a mystery to me of this visit. It has caused a great sensation, and the public are persuaded that the consequences of it will be serious. My friends have come to offer to defend me at the peril of their lives. Quote, what can you mean, Monsignor? replied the Jesuit father. Surely you do not fear Mademoiselle de Lafayette. She is but a child. You are a simple man, replied the cardinal, pressing the priest's hand, but you will have to learn the wickedness of the world. Know then that this child has had it in her mind to ruin all. Notwithstanding the discontent, nay, even the abject terror of the powerful cardinal, Louis continued his visits, which always took place in the grilled parlor, for although as king he had a right to enter the monastery, he never took advantage of this royal privilege. Upon the foundation of the monastery of Chaillot, for which Henrietta Maria of England herself chose the house, Mademoiselle de Lafayette, now Sister Louise Angelique, was sent as one of the foundresses, and was elected superior there on the decease of Mother Louillier. After the death of Louis XIII, Louis XIV, Charles II, and James II of England, Anne of Austria, and Marie Therese all continued to frequent the monastery in order to learn how to sanctify respectively their triumphs or their misfortunes. The unfortunate Queen Henrietta Maria took up her residence there. Mademoiselle d'Amuel, afterwards Queen of Poland, the Princess Louise Hollandine, daughter of Frederick V of Bohemia, the champion of Protestantism in Germany, and granddaughter of James I of England, were instructed by and lived with the nuns. Later, Marie Beatrice, widow of James II, lived at the monastery. 
Yet all this concourse of the great ones of the world did not tarnish the virtue nor dissipate the mind of that lover of solitude and of penance, Louise Angelique de Lafayette. She died as superior at Chaulieu, January 11th, 1665, loved and venerated by all who knew her. It is little known that the world owes the birth of Louis XIV to the wise advice of this holy nun, who pressed home upon the king his conjugal duty. Taken from, firstly, the original manuscript letter of Père Cousin S.J. to Sister de Lafayette, found amongst her papers after her death. Secondly, from the memoirs of Madame de Motteville, a personal friend of Sister de Lafayette, Thirdly, from the history of Louis XIII by Père Griffet, who had recourse to the memoir of Père Cousin for these incidents. Vive Jesus! Annecy, 1641. My dearest daughter, though not personally acquainted with you, nonetheless do I know and dearly love you. Your letter shows me quite clearly the state of your mind and the source of your trouble and embarrassment. It comes from your over-eagerness in seeking to arrive at the perfection you desire instead of patiently and submissively awaiting the will of him alone who can give it to you. Now, if you wish truly to acquire the spirit of your vocation, you will have to correct this fault and carry out whatever instructions are given you gently and faithfully, repressing your desires and your thoughts, in order, in God's good time, to become a true visitation nun. I think, if I am not mistaken, that you are not content simply to make acts requisite for your training in perfection, but you want to feel and be conscious that you have made them. This satisfaction you should give up, and content yourself with saying to God without sensible feeling, quote, I wish with all my heart to perform such and such practices of virtue for thy good pleasure, end quote. Then, perform them, although with dryness, and wish for nothing better than in this manner lovingly to serve him. If you do this, you will soon find yourself in possession of that calm and holy peace so necessary to souls who desire to live by the Spirit, and not according to their own views and inclinations. Your repose and spiritual advancement depend, I can see, on these things. May God fill you with himself and give you the grace to practice all that is taught you by her to whose guidance he has committed you. I am affectionately yours. End of letter. Recording by Ken Hellenius. Blog.halleneus.org.